Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center Podcast feed. I'm Ken Napsuk for another edition of the big show, the main show, the superstar destroyer of our fleet, the Ready Player One of our Star Wars game. This is Four Center. With me is Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Lenda. Joseph, how are you? I'm good. I'm concerned about the Ready Player One reference. Oh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Oof. I got strong feelings about Ready Player One. Yeah, the the book and the movie. You know, I haven't read the the book. I haven't read the book. I'll say I got strong feelings about that trailer. You know what? I haven't read the book. 
I have negatively strong feelings about that trailer. <laughs> wow. Jennifer, yeah. th- welcome to the Ready Player One podcast. <laughs> uh, I just got to be honest with my feelings. I, it's I try not yeah. to bury things. Yeah, I get, I get you. Yeah? No, you read I, the book? I've not read the book. I was eagerly anticipating the trailer. Okay. And then I saw all the negativity that I was like, you know, I'm not going to watch it because I don't want to get upset. <laughs> <laughs> so I've yet to I mean, see we'll it. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I know a lot of people love it, enjoy it, and we're excited by the trailer. So if you, mm. uh, you're in that, well, Absolutely. catch us next week on Ready Player One Center. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. But we're going to talk some Star Wars here, and I'll tell you what. I mentioned video games because we have got this game, Battlefront 2, coming out in, what, November? And it's highly anticipated, despite somewhat of the disappointing nature of the first game to a lot of people, though I still, until recently was one of the last ones playing it, but then I moved and then had some internet problems at my old place and it just kind of stopped and now I'm not. I'm waiting for Battlefront 2. Um, in, in, uh, in, in, I guess, connection is the best way to say it with the video game, this book Inferno Squad was released and we've uh, had a chance to read it here. Joseph and I, we're going to break down, go into it here today. Uh, not just necessarily a, a recap and review, but there's some interesting things in this book, Joseph. And, yeah. Uh, I think it's as we like to do here, we're going to break down what it what does it mean so uh full spoiler warning we're gonna go into the uh, christy golden book inferno squad and uh, talk all about it uh but we're also like i said stuff's gonna come out of it so if you haven't read the book stick around if you don't want to be spoiled we understand we'll be here when you come back <laughs> um so jennifer i know you know you you represent the haven't read it yes thing, which is good because it's perspective. At any point, you raise a flag and you ask a question. That's what, that's part of your job here today. Okay. Uh, wait, I have a question. What does this mean to the greater <laughs> Star Wars universe? What are you universe? talking about? I yeah. have no idea. No, yeah, so if you, haven't, if you haven't read the book, it's okay. I'm seeing it as like a like a cliff notes. Like, I want to catch mm-hmm. up. I want to know, know what's going on, but I yeah. don't have the time to read the book. Don't have yeah. the time. So we'll start there. We'll start there, Joseph. General overview, general reaction, and is this essential Star Wars reading? We get that question a lot. Yeah. Hey, I want to start reading the novels or the comics. Which one should I start with? So I'll say first, I don't think this is uh, required reading by any stretch of imagination, but I, I love what Chrissy Golden did with it, and it's entertaining. And if you're just one of those people that wants more Star Wars stories, dive on in. You? Yeah. I mean, I think the amazing thing about this is this is a prequel novel to an unreleased video game. (laughs) And that is how deep and complex and interesting a overall Star Wars storytelling has gotten, that it's still really engaging and it connects a lot of dots. And I think it's essential reading if you're really enjoying all of the various minor characters from comic books and books and really minor characters from movies and animated shows and really start to tie together and present a really uh, real version of the galaxy. Yeah. But... No, it's not like super essential. I would go to other books before this one. Right, it isn't a Lost Stars, a Catalyst, Aftermath. It isn't that kind of stuff there. And I, you know, it's funny. I didn't read the first Battlefront novel. I intend to. Uh, was it Alexander Freed wrote that? Yep. Oh, um, yeah. And he wrote uh, what did he write? The that? Rogue One Rogue novelization, one novel, which I enjoyed greatly. Yeah. So I want to go back and read that. But I, I imagine it's probably similar because you're, you're not talking. You're not writing about uh, the big main characters we know. You're kind of going here and there. Now, overall, uh, I really did enjoy this book. There's some great parts. It went for me, Joseph, in a different direction than I thought it would go. Yeah. And Christy herself, when I had a chance to interview, kind of hinted, it goes in a direction you don't think. 
Sometimes that's great, and I overall love what that allowed the story to do when going into what does it mean to be an imperial officer, a rebellion uh, uh, fanatic, uh, or just a part of the Rebel Alliance or part of Saul's partisans. It goes into a lot of that stuff. Um, But that also meant this story about this elite imperial squad, the Inferno squad, didn't have as much action as I would want it. Yeah, I think that was the big surprise, and I ended up really liking it. Because, like, mm-hmm. for the first half of the book, I was like, this is good, I'm enjoying it, it's just fine. And then I really, really liked it by the second yeah. half as the kind of themes and ideas emerged. But I think the main takeaway for people who haven't read it is basically it is a story of really getting to know the character, the main character of Iden Versio. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting to know her as somebody who's been raised to be rigidly imperial and kind of shut down feelings and just be the absolute, always excel, always excel. That's the relatable thing of anybody who's known that kind of right. uh, person or been that kind of person where you're forced to excel, gets formed in response to the destruction of the Death Star and the, the theft of the plans on Scarif. Uh, yeah. And they have a couple of fun, like, missions, this little Iden and her, her group of three other characters. But then the meat of the book is them infiltrating a the last remin- remnants of Sagrera's partisans, yeah. which are calling themselves the Dreamers. And there's just this tiny band of very uh, hopeful but very mm-hmm. violent extremists yeah. on mm-hmm. the, the rebel side. Uh, and most of it is... The Inferno Squad, mm-hmm. the militant Imperials, trying to keep their their mission in focus while building connections with what's left of Saw's partisans. That's the main plot. It, and yeah, and you, when you look at Inferno Squad, it's about video games. You're like, yeah. there's going to be a lot of shooting and beating, and yeah. and there certainly is some. But it is much more of an internal story than... Way more than I thought. Absolutely. I thought this was going to be the mission of the Inferno Squad, forming and going after the Partisans and what was left. And that's that's what it is, just from a different uh, point of view, for sure. And it all starts with this character of Eden, and you really touched upon it, Joseph. She has this strict upbringing and a very imperial upbringing, but an artist mother. So there's this uh, softer side. But, uh, you know, her father is an admiral... In the Imperial Army, which was weird to me right off the start because it didn't. I, I, I he's so high. It's one of those another cases of it's a high ranking Imperial. There's so many. There's thousands of them. So I'm yeah. not surprised. But it was like he, he he's off in his own world in the Imperial Army to me. Yeah, Does that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, he seems to be. It seems to be a response. They're carving a little cannon room because the ISB yeah. clearly failed. Yes, and, and and they make that explicit, which is nice because that's a direct tie-in to the actual movie Rogue One, where yeah. Saw is concerned about spies, and we just we learn that the Imperial Security Bureau, Bureau sent in spies, and they, it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So you get a mm-hmm. little bit of cannon clearing of like, well, the ISB failed, and that's why the Death Star blew up. So now this guy's going to have is even more elite than the ISB, right? And send right. them in, so that 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 works for me. And it starts, I should say, be I'd be uh, I, I would hate to not bring this up. It starts at the Battle of Yavin, yeah, which was a great beginning, Jennifer. It really ties into it, but it adds another layer of canon where now this character Eden Versio was there. She was present. She was in a Tie Fighter. Mm-hmm. Is that too much for you? I've I've been thinking about that. I watched that scene recently, and knowing that she's there, mm-hmm. it's kind of cool but kind of takes me 
out of it a little bit. Right. I'm not quite sure how I feel about it, but I I like the character of, of Iden Versio from what I've heard. Yeah. I think playing the game, I'm going to enjoy her, so I think it's going to be a, a neat little Easter egg for fans who are familiar. And if you don't know, well... Well, well yeah, and if you don't know, you don't know and you don't care. It's right. a weird thing, Joseph, we talk about with this trying to connect everything. I, I'm okay with it. I have no problem with them and Lucasfilm going, oh, well, she was at the... At the Battle of Death Star, she was there. But yeah. it's like, now it's another thing. I'm like, is, is, does it start to become distracting? I don't know. I, I, I don't want to be too cynical about it. Whatever. It's like a TIE fighter pilot was there. There's hundreds of them. Yeah. You know, makes I, sense. Yeah. But. I think this is a, a pattern that we're going to see. I think we're getting a ton of stories where characters have to be uh, put into places because we're telling stories around Rogue One. We're telling yeah. stories around the events of the original trilogy in order to give them weight. It gives Iden Versio great weight. There's lots of great details about people. Yeah. There's a great passage about people having rumors about how did she survive the right. Death Star? Ooh. Is she secretly a Force user? Is she lying? Mm. Uh, so y- you get weight from it because you know those events. That first chapter is fire. It's great. Yeah. It's it a great pulls start. you in. But I think it's just more evidence of like, yeah, we need movies that go far flung away from the yeah. events we know so they don't get crowded when we do all our other books and comic books storytelling in that same space. Yeah, it gets crowded. And right after that, you know, her the, the, the Inferno Squad is formed, uh, Eden Versio, and then there's Gideon Hask, Del Miko, and Sien Marana. And these are uh, characters who will be essentially playing in the games. Minus maybe one. Yes. We're full spoilers, so <laughs> minus one. Full spoiler. Okay. Minus one, uh, which is, um, I agree with those, of watching some stuff with Alex of Star Wars Explained. He's like, if you analyze the Battlefront 2 game trailer, you got some of the book spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, this was, it's so funny because this is a quote, you know, this is a video game prequel type of thing. You can really see, and, and, and Christy Golden does a great job writing it. It doesn't come off as clunky, but you can see the former's, a formation of a video game thing. If you have this character does this, and Gideon's a great pilot, and Dell's great at repairing things, and Sane's great at languages and spying, it's like, oh, this uh. is all your 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 group going into a video game. And the, <laughs> right. in the first half, of the not first half, the first like uh, third of the book is mission, 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 big mission. Now, <laughs> so you get a little bit of that video game sense of like, oh, I can imagine myself pressing the X button yes. to do that thing they just did. Yes, mm. it, it's not cheap, it's not bad, but it's there. It's not clunky, but it's definitely of. It's just what the story is. But yeah, the yeah. first one was like, you know, you play those games where it's like, let's do a test. Walk over here and press X, and your character's just learning to. You yeah, right. and then you learn combat at the end of the mission. <laughs> like the, literally, the first mission is espionage, and then uh, one of the characters has to punch someone. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay, we learned how punching works functionally in Battlefront Two. Yeah, but it's but it comes off good. I, we're not being it, cynical yeah. at all, folks. If you're it's if fun. you're about to read it, it actually comes off very smooth. And the, the Eden uh, Eden Versio is definitely the main character. She's pretty well fully formed. Uh, character goes through growth. I, I will will say, and and it's an intriguing character, Joseph, with this yeah. mother and father dynamic. We, we can touch upon that here in a bit about the father dynamic in Star Wars. Yeah. But there's a lot there. And I went into it knowing this was, quote, from the Imperial point of view. But I so I like and you know me, I love my Imperials. Yeah. But it was done in a very nice way. It wasn't just cut and dry readings like those damn nasty rebels. There was some thought behind it. There was some it made sense. Yeah, I think they did a good job with the Imperials. I personally would have liked to have the Imperial perspective taken a little bit farther. We get hints of 
I've, I have my bias taking mm-hmm. a step back that the ultimate story of Star Wars is the Empire is bad. Right. Sidious is evil. So uh, I'm happy to entertain great characters. But right. when I'm reading a book like this, like, I'll relate to you as an individual who got hoodwinked into working for an right. evil organization. So I want to see why did that individual make these choices. Mm. And they do a pretty good job. Eden Versio is very well covered of being just raised in it. And, yeah. uh, and we can talk more about, like Ken said, about her mother and her father. Uh, Gideon Hask is really interested, interesting because he comes off as almost like privileged. Yes. Like he's never had to see anybody suffering, and he's had a pretty cool life, and he just wants to get the highest marks and have fun drinks and right. no cool people. <laughs> and he just comes off as like, I, I, I see no one else's suffering. Right. Right. Uh, and then and, and Del and, and San, their journey, uh, a large part of their journey is empathizing with the dreamers. So I yeah. think they they get a little bit more fleshed out of like maybe they're not all the way to cre- questioning the Empire, but they at least have the arcs of like they they learn that like, oh, both sides do horrible things. Yeah. Because yeah, is it Del or Gideon who's is just lost his parents in a rebel bombing? I think it's Dell. Del. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So you get, so that's a strong motivation. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it sounds like San is also, uh, just kind of raised in it. So it's there. I guess there's a part of me that just wanted like to spend a little bit more time with that because we certainly get when they're, they're living with the dreamers. Right. We get the, I am learning to understand the other side, but none of the characters quite take it to the level of questioning the empire. Hmm. Correct. And it all seems to wrap up in a sense of they're back at it. Like, cool, we got through that. Yep. We took out the Dreamers, and we're ready to do it. Now, again, we're going full spoiler here. They take out the Dreamers, but I thought they took them out in a very interesting, slow-cooking sort of way. Absolutely. Absolutely. I thought that was one of the most elegant parts and just full spoiler. Yeah. Uh, basically, all of them, including Aiden, make some sort of emotional connection to the Dreamers. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about that because that's some of the best part. And then there's a kind of a nice, I don't, um, Gideon, mm-hmm. the, to me, the most privileged, the most imperial, the, the most you can think of him as a bad guy. Yeah. Just decide, takes it into his own hands to kill them. Yeah. And it's done really well because you can imagine like this book would have been a hundred page longer and there might not have been a video game. <laughs> If the, all of the characters got to discuss what are we truly going to do with the dreamers. Right. Mm. And right. so it's it's very elegant to have the one who is the most traditional imperial from our perspective just take out the dreamers so it's not an issue. Yeah. Wow. Just do it. It just takes the choice out of Aiden's hand so we can continue to like Aiden. Yeah, yeah. Because she probably would have done it, but we don't have to see her do it. Mm. Yeah, and we're gonna have, yeah we're gonna have to play this character, and that's one of the first big questions, Joseph. This this is a video game forthcoming. This is a big story mode, yeah. and this is told from the quote bad guys point of view, which is you're saying at the end of the day are still the bad guys. So uh, with this character so fully formed, and Janina Gavankar so taking to this character, yeah. being front and center as this character, and Christy Golden says uh, we talked, and and she she wanted to know what I was writing to inform her performance, and I want to know what she was doing to perform and inform this uh, writing. Process. Process. So, uh, if we're playing this game, can we still get into this character? Can it be us? Can it be Commander Shepard from Mass Effect? Yeah, I think so. Uh, and, and at first, I thought I think the characters developed really well in the book, but yeah. I felt like there was some room being left to not overdefine her. Mm. So you just still have that little bit of room, still psychologically, to project yourself. Right. And I think what they do really well is they motivate why she would be an angry person. Mm. And when you're sitting down to play a video game, 
anger and catharsis are really relatable. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's one of the main reasons I have played video games. It's like, I had a bad day. Right. I'm going to shoot people. And, like, yeah. And, and it's this safe way to do this. Yep. And Aiden's character being so relatable for her anger and her pressure, the yep. pressure cooker life that she's led. Uh, Jennifer, do you, do you, when you play a video game, do you want to be able to just disappear into the character? Um, uh, yeah, a little bit. I think about this game I played called L.A. Noir. Yeah. Yeah. I loved those characters, and I really, for the first time, I felt immersed, or even Red Dead mm. Redemption as well, where you yeah. really feel like yeah, you're being able to um, yeah. relate to these characters. And I think what's so great about Janina mm. is that she is just so passionate about her character. I, that's why I want to listen to the audiobook mm-hmm. of this, because I want to hear her her take on this character before, I guess, we watch her in the video game. Um, but I think knowing that she's an artist, knowing that Ida's an artist as well as an Imperial, and mm-hmm. having that kind of duality, I think, is what is going to make her much more relatable than if she was just a hard-nosed yeah. Imperial, which I'm like, I can't totally identify with the bad guy. But I can identify with someone who's who's questioning these, these things and questioning what they know. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then she definitely, one of the great things about Aiden's character is that she's definitely all in on the, the rebels are the problem, blowing things up. That just, right. the, the empire is just the government, and if we slaughter all these rebels, it's horrible, but then we'll have peace. Mm-hmm. Right. So she does have this really nice through line that, you know, you can even tell yourself as you're playing the video games, like, Aiden just wants peace. Right. And the way to get that is to just shoot all these rebels. <laughs> A safe and secure <laughs> society. Well, and it, early on, you know, after the, the group is formed and they celebrate and everything, they, they're they left uh, some drinks, I think, by, by Garrick Versio, her father, Admiral Versio, yeah. and it's Alderanian kind of wine. Yeah, it's uh, the Tonnery uh, wine. Uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, I love, Eden's like, oh, this stuff is so good. It's a shame that the the rebels had to make us do that type of attitude. Mm. And that I'm sure some innocents were lost. And it's this really, really, really interesting moment. It's like, this wine's really good. I wish they didn't make us blow up their planet. That was sad that we had to do that. Yep, but we wow. had to. Yeah. yeah. It really yeah. comes down to that. Eden's father, Garrick, is a main character, Joseph, which yeah. is something that uh, made some sense. It's very um, Star Wars to have some father issues. Mm-hmm. He's a, almost a, a Tywin Lannister-like military kind of leader, very stern and very family legacy. The Versio name Mm. is very important to him. Uh, So that was interesting, but not completely new in Star Wars. What are we thinking about fathers in Star Wars at this point? I just think it's time for a break. I think there's no criticism of this story. Correct. Uh, Catch Jennifer up a little bit and and any listeners on the story. It's basically uh, Garrick Versio, I believe. Her father is just really hard, firm, and he teaches her from youth, like excel. And they do a really good job of showing, like, well, because of that sort of brutal upbringing, you do excel, but you're really afraid of your emotions, and you really have to hide them, and you're always sort of like, I want, Aiden wants affection and warmth, but knows that that is, can also lead to weakness. Right. So there's all this great stuff. But then uh, her mother is the, the artist who paints beautifully, but all promotional material for the Empire. <laughs> right. And Aiden is even a model. Is a is a youth for some of the paintings, which is one of the great details. Oh, yeah, wow. um, so she's got this push pull between her parentage, and it goes on to have issues where, uh, in order to to get in with the dreamers, she has to fake that she has betrayed the empire, and her mother is dying, and Aiden is is tortured the whole book because she believes her mother might die while believing 
mm-hmm. that she Aiden is a traitor to the empire. Yeah. Oh. So it's this very interesting, well constructed family stew of uh, uh, emotion and family connection versus duty and excelling. Yeah. So it's really well told. In the whole book, I just like flip it. Yeah, yeah. Just flip it because I'm sick of yeah the could. controlling father character. Like make the father the painter. Yeah. Make the mother the unrelenting. Hmm. You know, it, strict person, and it would have made would have made uh, I think a lot of sense because uh, uh, Eden being a female character and having uh, that that looking up her mother in that way would yeah. it would have been it would have been a little bit more interesting. Again, we're not I'm not at all criticizing no, no, Chrissy no. Golden's writing on this. It just I'm sure that's what was given. You it's know? in the grand yeah. It's not yeah. a critique of this book. It's in the grand scheme of Star Wars. Yeah, it's yeah. like Jennifer, you brought up with Rogue One. Too like it's uh, you know everything it's being Galen, Galen motivated yeah. and just like let's give fathers a break. There there's a line between this is traditional the Star Wars and because it's traditional the Star Wars we've seen it again and again. Right. So right. I'm all for a father moratorium. But you think that her whole family history was kind of integral to the story and the character. So you mm. need that family dynamic. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's really well done and really well told and I just got pulled out of it. what was an individually great Star Wars family story mm-hmm. with the fact that again not Christy Golden's fault but a little repetitive to overall Star Wars. Sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Now, the Dreamers are made up of a bunch of uh, interesting characters, some that appear in other things. Now, I did not read Rebel Rising going into this. It's yeah. on my list to read, uh, based on your suggestion, Joseph. You did, and that enriched the experience. Absolutely. Uh, I think especially the back half of this book, all the Dreamer stuff, all the Saw partisan, uh, Saw Agrarius partisan stuff is, is rich, connective tissue between Rogue One, uh, between the Clone Wars animated series, which we'll get into, right. uh, and particularly Rebel Rising. A lot of the characters were featured in Rebel Rising. One of the main dreamers that Aiden and the rest of the crew infiltrate is Staven. Yeah. Staven is a guy who appears in Rebel Rising and delivers some disappointment to Jin because Jin is trying to please him right. uh, and prove that she's ready to fight, and it looks up to this guy, and... and he, he's harsh with Jin, so we've kind of already met this guy a little bit. Uh, somebody else who gets mentioned is uh, somebody who we see die horribly in Rebel Rising. One of the other characters who just gets mentioned by name. Mm. More than anything, uh, just Rebel Rising is just really good because not only does it develop Jin, it develops Saw, and it lets you see how the partisans really worked, like mm. just functionally, yeah. and how Saw worked. Okay. And, uh, right. you know, it's got great stuff, without being too spoilery, about Saw just not knowing how to be a father mm. and it's got just great his great uh, strategic tactical stuff of like he rejects the the rebels he's got his base so just random weirdos come over to basically what is mm. Jin's house right and she meets some of these random people and some of them saw trust for a while and then some of them just disappear right did they die did he not <laughs> trust them anymore did they not go far enough did they mm. there's no right. going too far really with saw uh, so no, so there's specific characters from Rebel Rising, right. but there's also just knowing that perspective of the partisans that is much cl- closer to the Empire of trust no one, nothing's too violent, your friends are going to betray you, right? And all this sort of uh, darkness that isn't really a part of the story of the Rebel Alliance that is a story of the partisans. partisans. And now Staven was he? He was mentioned sort of in the Rogue One novel. Yes, he had some passing. Mention. Yeah, it's it's um, it's one of my favorite scenes when I when I suggest to everyone who reads a Rogue One novel that you know when Jin returns to Saw's base, there's a little bit more to it. 
and some people mad the Jin ran away, and then that and Jin's asking about various members of of the partisans. What happened? What happened? Oh, that person died. That person died. I didn't piece it together. I cannot admit. I have to admit, I didn't piece that part together. And I've read the Rogue One novel, but I was doing some research after, and then that's that's an interesting connection too. Mm. They were really really fluffing out. But one of the characters, Joseph, is this guy named the Mentor. Yeah. Now this guy Staven's more the leader, but the Mentor is the kind of advisor. He's kind of weird. He's there. He's like, "What's your name? Eh, just call me the Mentor." Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, he 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 connects with with Aiden and she's supposed to be the spokesperson of the dreamers are going to turn her into the face. Uh, so she's recognizable and people will see this Imperial great Imperial officer and fighter pilot survived the battle of death star was moved by the destruction of Alderaan and all that stuff to now be on the dreamers. And this guy's mentoring her again, just call me the mentor. But it is learned later on. Here is the big reveal, the big, uh, well, not quite a twist, but a yeah, reveal. A reveal. He is Lux Bonteri now. <gasps> Jennifer, are you shocked? <laughs> or are you like, what the hell are you talking about? Wait, no, I'm not shocked. Yeah, that, yeah yes. that's, that's the point. Is oh, okay. That, <laughs> that's the point of how deep this book is. It's presented like, who is the mentor? Who is the mentor? And then there's one passage where if you know who the mentor is going to be, they pretty much tell you. And then many, 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 many chapters go on. And then it's like, and the mentor is. And it's a relatively deep cut character from the Clone Wars animated series. Yeah. So yeah. this that was one of the moments of like where I always had that like step back of like, I'm in this deep. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, no, I holy it. crap, Lux Bonteri. And like. Your average Star Wars fan who picks up this book, like, yeah, what Lux Bonteri? I thought that was a Belgian cheese. What the hell are you talking about? Here, like, here was my reaction. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, what? Uh, who? Yeah. Type, 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 type. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, who? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. yeah exactly. Right. Well, exactly. Boy, yeah. So it took me a minute. It works. It, 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 it it's works. Where we're going? It's where we're going with Star Wars. It works yeah. if you're in deep, and yeah. I think we're all in pretty deep. Yeah. And it it had some weight for me, but. <laughs> It it once once I put it all together and I hadn't finished I I did this before right when the reveal happened I was like wait a minute I looked it up and uh, I mean he appeared on I'm counting seven episodes of the Clone Wars yeah two yeah. or three major arcs yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of a lot of stuff with the with the Saw and Steela Guerrera stuff so right. totally I like the idea like I love the idea but I the whole time again expectations can build up <laughs> so once you're like oh this is a secret character of importance because I didn't keep saying he was important i'm like crick's mating like what is this like who is it is it akbar with a human face mask on? like couldn't figure it out and then they're like oh oh okay i like it yeah okay yeah i mean it's something that's there for deep deep, deep. specific fans and i know we have a lot of listeners who know the clone wars religiously that they've they've yeah. seen it again and again so for them it really does have weight and for me when the dime dropped there was a specific mm. passage that was like oh well there's only one character who has been all these things yeah and that was like oh and I, I did really think that's cool that's awesome yeah but i don't know if it works ultimately as a reveal no mm. because <laughs> yeah it's not like and the mentor is boba fett like yeah it, right. it's, he's not a major enough character for the reveal to have power but i love that he was that character in this story right 
Yeah, no, it, it again works in the story, but now we're getting to this level of remember that extra? Remember Beezer Fortuna? Yeah. Well, he went on to be, and, <laughs> and it can get dangerous when we're that. Uh, that deep, um, but I liked it because it's very well connected. You've mentioned in Rebel Rising, and, and and so you know there was some, you know, what happened to that character type of stuff in the Clone Wars because he wasn't just in the background in those episodes. He and Ahsoka had some moments like right. there. That kind of stuff was there. Yeah, he's key. So I do like it, and and it just uh, it left me a little bit like disappointed. Is not the word. Just like um, um okay. So are we getting too tied together, Joseph? I don't think so. I just think that we should handle it carefully. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of the shot in Rogue One that I think we all talked about where mm-hmm. uh, 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 Leia's father uh, right. emerges. Yeah, yeah. Bail. Ba- yeah. Bail Organa emerges uh, from the shadows and with a big music cue. Mm. Right. And I think for a lot of the audience, it's like, oh, important guy. Jimmy Smith is here. But, but people who love Star Wars is like, wow. Oh, wow. Here's Bale. Right. Um, and, and I don't know. I, I, I think this is really being getting nitpicky. But I think there's a difference between using the obscure characters, tying them together so it's really fun, and using them in a dramatic way that might not work because the characters don't have enough weight for enough of the audience for the mm-hmm. dramatic yeah. reveal to land. Yeah. Mm. Maybe that's tell, all tell in a different way. But again, it was it was executed well in the story. Uh, we spent a lot of time with the dreamers. So, you know, this is Inferno Squad. Jennifer, we're going to learn about the characters we're going to be playing in the video game. But I think there was just as much, if not more, focus on these dreamers, the leftover remnants of the partisans. Uh, you know, they are the ones who are going to keep the dream alive. And um, your question, Joseph, is did we end up liking them more with the main characters, connecting with them more, which might have been part of the design? I don't know. Um, I definitely felt uh, um, I felt some of their losses. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I connected in that way. Like, oh, I wanted that guy, to, that little Chandra fan to survive. Yeah, I, okay, so Jennifer, you, you know, maybe I will go through and highlight just the segments with uh, Pikao, the Chatra <laughs> yeah. fan. Yeah. Uh, uh, and Pikao, uh, uh, a Chatra fan is uh, Cabe, I believe, oh. from the uh, Cantina scene. Cantina, yes. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he, and yeah. you know the spirit of that little creature going, I want my alcohol, Love reaching it. up? Love it. That spirit of that one shot of weird little bat face wants his drinky drink reaching higher than he is <laughs> <laughs> that spirit is this character oh Pikao is this like he keeps being really positive great uh, great descriptions of his little bad ears and how I, his eyes go wide when he gets excited about something oh. and uh, his story is that he has been like every you know per- person we meet almost forced into some sort of mining by the yeah. in- empire mm. and dying from some you yeah. know, thing he's been exposed to. Oh. So he's already got death looming over him, but he's like the, the happy one, the positive one, the one who's like, well, at least while we have this other horrible stuff going on, we could, you know, experiment a little bit. We could have fun. We could wonder about things. Right. And he is, to me, the standout character. Yeah. And that was like one of the humanizing, uh, he ends up kind of teaming up with Del Mico, mm-hmm. who uh, is on Inferno Squad, and he's the engineering guy. Yeah. And Pico is all into engineering, too. And Del starts thinking, like, I know this is wrong to think, but the Empire could cure him. And yeah. I wonder if I could talk the rest of the squad into taking him, because he doesn't seem that militant. Yeah. 
So he, you even wow. really start to get that, like, yes, let Pico live. <laughs> let Pico. Let Pico live. He's so Pico. great. And all the dreamers are great. Yeah. And I think the passage that sold me on the book is they have a part where uh, they all celebrate, and there's a, a prominent Twilight character. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some, what are the cage, K-A-G-E? The, the, the cave, cave warriors, cave warriors? What are uh, yeah, the other, the, there's a family of three in there. I believe they're. Yeah, oh, no, cage. yeah, 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 cage, cage. cage. Sorry, I was Which looking I at Kaiv, who was one of the members yeah. of, uh, of the squadron. Yes. Yeah, so a cage. Yeah, the Vushan family. The Vushan family, and I think those yeah. are a species that might have been rescued from Expanded Universe, I think? Yeah, and they did appear in the gosh, I'm trying to the, the the cage warriors appear in Clone Wars at one point. Okay, they have uh, almost like Mandalorian in their kind of uh, traditions, and they have um, much like General Grievous's. Magna guards had kind of like those lightsaber oh, deflecting pike. kind of pike oh. thing, yeah. but they have they have little weapons like that, and so they're they're featured in here prominently. Yeah, so the dreamers do this great job of like they include all these species, so you get that sense of diversity mm. that our imperial characters don't have. But then they have they have a like a party. And they even have like a passage where like the Twilight has been a slave in the past and has been forced to dance. Mm-hmm. Ah. And Iden can't help herself, and she's like, "Why are you?" Dancing. I thought that was a thing that people made you do. Mm. And she has this great little speech about, like, I dance because I'm free. I dance because I choose to. And the second I don't feel like dancing, I can stop. Right. Wow. And it pulls on the heartstrings of the oh. Inferno Squad, and it pulls on the heartstrings of the audience, and Pico is dancing with her, but then he gets a little tired. He has to sit down. Yeah. broke <laughs> 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 my yeah. heart. Uh, oh but my it is gosh. so, I'm so happy that that's what, that was in the book. Yeah. Something to challenge the Imperial perspective by seeing, you know, that the dreamers are vicious. They torture somebody for seven hours. Wow. At one point, we don't yeah. really see it, but we hear about it. Yeah. We hear that it happened, but then they also have these, like, expressions of uh, of humanity, of art, of music, of dancing, uh, that the Imperials are affected by, but it still doesn't quite change them. And like that, that to me, that just made like the dreamers, yeah. the rock stars of the book in some way. Yeah. And they do do some really, really bad things. They do yes. absolutely do some bad things, which raises those questions about who's, who's who in the zoo, who's good, who's bad and going to the original thought Joseph, but no, the empire at the end of the day is bad. Uh, so it's like, you, it explains even more to me, uh, and I'm sure Rebel Rising does too. It's like why Mon Mothma and everyone else is like, ah, we can't, we're not going to torture uh, an Imperial, captured Imperial for seven hours until he dies. We're not going to do that. And Saw and his team, or now these dreamers even more so, are like, yeah, okay, well, we will. Yeah. Hmm. We got it then. Yeah. And there are some direct references to some of the most heinous acts yeah. that happened in Rebel Rising, which is great. Oh, okay. To just really remind you. Man, like, I yeah. really should have read that. Uh, no, it's I wish mostly, they would have advertised that a little bit more. I know, mm-hmm. I know. It, it, it's, it, you, I think it's just a little richer. I mean, it's yeah. not it's not the, the be-all, end-all. Uh, sure, sure. But, yeah, I mean, I think, I think it is. I'm really happy that it wasn't, that this book wasn't just Inferno Squad wiping out people but yeah. being uh having their viewpoints challenged well that's what I, the the change in direction i wasn't expecting that i was expecting video game action and I, I it this is it's a slow book at times it's an easy read but it's a slow roasting you get to spend some time they go explore this planet they're on they go out and do things they go on supply runs Picow and uh, dell find these crazy ancient kind of droid type things so great one of my mm. favorite parts yeah, yeah that factor in kind of bittersweetly to the end mm-hmm. um in a sad way so there's a lot of that there there's a mission that goes wrong 
that you know it's one of those it's a it's a real big gray area one this big mission they go to the dreamers are going to go take out some key imperial targets and they're willing to kill about 400 imperial children with it mm-hmm. which of course the embedded imperials don't really agree with but they're told they can't by their mission mandate is they can't get involved in that they can't stop that they, they know they might have to kill imperials on this way so i thought that was an interesting thing because then this imperial makes this decision to save those children which would make her kind of the good person in that scenario. Yeah. But it's it's so I love the I love I love when things like that start getting questioned. It yeah. gets a little muddy, a little murky. Yeah. And that's good. Yeah, and me. I think it, it makes you be able to stay with the like I am the the Imperials are the heroes of this book and it's got a great push pull if you want them mm-hmm. to uh complete their mission because they're the protagonists. Right. And they're made more likable by having some doubts and some right. changes along the way. Right. Do you like the, the Imperial characters as much as you do the Dreamer characters? Because it kind of sounds like the Dreamer characters, are, I don't want to say are not or more interesting, but they, it sounds like you have more of a connection to them. I do. I, I think yep. just writing-wise, whether it was a choice or not, the Dreamer characters, I think, are better developed as characters. And I, a part of me almost feels like that's trying to keep a little bit of a light touch on how evil the Imperials are or, or how or why the Imperials believe it. But we get a quick kind of sketch of their characters mm-hmm. uh, and we get a little fleshing out. But every once in a while I had to go back and go like, did Dell say that or did Gideon say that? Gideon and Dell are kind of interchangeable to me. That's yeah. why I had questions at the beginning. Which one is which? And I don't think they're intended to be because if you're like, I went back and like reread like the introduction yeah. to them and who they are. Yeah. But there are some moments where like, I don't know, I think it almost, you almost fall into that sort of writer trap where sometimes uh, you, and I mean that in the general sense, not specifically to Christy Golden, um, mm. where the main character becomes less interesting than the side yeah, characters. Yeah, yeah. I always think of it as like, for people who are fans of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, mm-hmm. halfway through Buffy gets really uh, boring and annoying to the point where they like make jokes about it and acknowledge it in the seventh season. Right. Where like, yes, we know you're all not here for the main character. Yeah. You're here for these more flavorful side characters. And I feel like the book falls into that a little bit. I, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. I think even me and my Imperial heart, uh, found, uh, Eden to be great, mm-hmm. but unchanged, uh, well, not, not changed, but like, again, they end up in the same spot celebrating their mission and they're going to go off and, and be, you know, badasses of the Imperial army, um, where the dreamers got me thinking more. Yeah. Mm. And that, that might be it. Yeah. It might be it. Um, yeah, the one, and the one that I thought was really, Different, and I could every time she came up, I was really behind the point of view or understood it and understood her voice was this uh sane, sane character, yeah. And she she dies, she <gasps> dies, yeah. She, yeah, that's the spoiler of like oh. all of the Battlefront promos. Like, you can play as Aiden, and she's got these two other guys with her. And then you start reading the book, it's like, but there are four people on the team, right? <laughs> Why is she not in the oh, where's the young girl? Oh, oh. okay. Um, yeah, but she's the one who dies in in, in sense because she decides as an imperial. Nope, she's not going to let four four hundred imperial children die, mm. and then she does some stuff that leads to her death there. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, do, do you think, in general, though, Ken, in the big picture, that the imperials you're a fan of the imperials? Do you feel like they were their perspective was represented, or did you want more from them? I always think it's interesting the perspective, but but. When I say like I'm an imperial fan, I, at the end of the day, I know what I know. I know what I'm saying. You know yeah. what I mean? Like these are these are bad. The emperor and Vader and everyone up top is is bad. They're bad guys. Yeah. Um, so it is. It, yeah, it is about uh, their their point of view is there, but it's like you're still kind of like 
oh, you just don't know. Like I always say, you know, Bodie Rook joined because it was a job. He didn't know that they were enslaving Wookies. Yeah. You know what I mean? But the people who were on the planet knew who were carrying out their duty. Like, so you get into that. I really think uh, some of you touched on the privilege of like Gideon and everything. These are imperial officers at the top of their class and put on special missions. And they're probably not seeing a lot of the horrors and atrocities because I think Palpatine was the Phantom Menace all the way through his career. Probably. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them believe they brought a safe and secure uh, feeling to the society and to the world and, and, and didn't see it. So it, it touched upon it because I can't escape this. Uh, we're supposed to play these characters. Yeah. And you're supposed to not be too. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see if the video game, what yeah. the video game does with this. Y- if y- it, you're right. The story goes 30 years. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll be really interesting to see. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to bring up uh, because I really liked it is kind of at the end with Lux Bonteri. They did use his character well because we saw him in the Clone Wars go back and forth between is he with the yeah. Confederacy, is he with uh, the Republic, mm-hmm. and then he abandons the uh, Empire and goes over to the Alliance and has and then he comes basically to, to try to work with what's left of Saw's remnants. So he has this great speech about how I have been on every side mm-hmm. of every argument, and one of the great humanizing things is... Aiden isn't good at public speaking. Yeah. And because he's a politician and a politician's son, it's really humanizing that she's awesome, but she's not great at everything. Yeah. And he teaches her to be a good public speaker. Hmm. And then they have a, basically they're sort of climactic where he's like, and I am Lux Bonteri. Boom, boom, boom. And she's like, oh yeah, that guy. Uh, But he gives this great speech that's kind of about, here's why I'm ultimately with the rebellion. They're about hope. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's not as on the nose as this, but it's a little bit like it's not what you believe that matters, but how you believe in it. Mm -hmm. Mm. So if you are just dogmatically just the Empire says, Mm -hmm. then maybe you should question that. But if it's something else and his argument is sort of like, I know that the partisans and the dreamers do horrible things, but they do them for hope because they believe it can be that this can end and it can be better. And like early on, Aiden has a passage like in the in the very first chapter, she's talking about how I don't understand our orders at the Death Star. This flight pattern doesn't make sense to me. Right. But I know not to ask. Right. And that that is what a good Imperial does is not Not ask questions. So I felt like that was a great bookend of the book. Yeah. For towards the end for Lux to basically say, you need to question question why you believe the things, because, yep, we're all horrible. We all kill. We all torture. You know, and if, mm-hmm. it's, if you're just doing tit, tit for tat, we're going to end up the same. Yeah. But why? Why are you doing these things? Uh, and I thought that was like a really a nice open ended way to like, where's Aiden going to go with that idea? Yeah. Is that going to sit with her? Is the story of the video game going to be that she rebels? I, I mean, coming out of this book, I would say yes, because, again, this 30 years, I believe they say, expands in the Force Awakens time because, you know, Kylo's going to factor into the story, you know, this or that. So yeah. this is a 22-year-old character at the time of this story and the video game, I believe. Well, video game should be about 25. I think it starts after Jedi. So, yeah, if you're taking this character well into her 50s, if that's how it plays out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, because I think she questions it enough in her own way, but just not far enough. So, yeah, the the, the use of, of Lux uh, and his me- message was very well done. Yeah, incredibly powerful. Yeah, uh, yeah so I, I wanted to go from here just into some more general questions yeah. about what the nature of this book 
being a video game tie-in. And we we happened to get a great question uh, from Casey Key. uh, And she asked, I just finished Inferno Squad, and I really enjoyed these characters, but I'm not a gamer and don't own a system. Since these characters have storylines that continue in the new Battlefront game, I find myself disappointed that I won't be able to enjoy that story. Do you think it is wise for Disney to put canon stories solely in a video game format, or do you think non-gamers will be able to get the story via book or comic? How do you guys feel about that? I've I've had mixed feelings about the game as canon from the beginning, just because that's weird. Because if you make choices in a game, how does that affect canon? And then Mm -hmm. then then, that means you're kind of already playing the game in a box. Then they're not going to do things too drastically. It's like those those Telltale games where I did I did the Game of Thrones game, and it's like whatever choice I made, it all ended up at the same. (laughs) It's like okay, Um, so I'm a little worried about that. But yeah, as far as I I think I, I. I understand too, but won't be able to enjoy that story because the story kind of this character development. You want to be able to play that out a little bit more. But the writer of the game has said that there'll be nods to the book in the game. Ooh. That, that you, whether it's just references or not, there'll be something tied into that. So they might have already thought about that in some way. Yeah, maybe you'll get a little bit more. How do you feel about that, Jennifer? How do you feel about canon being in a video game, especially like when time is a factor for a lot of us and we, we can't play the video game right i do think that that gets a little sticky um and then is the is it going to be canon with the multiplayer no just <laughs> right, you right, know what right, I mean? right like right. what we see oh there's a hoth leia and oh you know like all these random characters together um so i do think I, i'm sorry casey that you're not going to be able to enjoy these new storylines in right. in the game that is kind of it is kind of a shame but you know there's going to be a lot of people that are playing the game that have never read the book mm-hmm. um so I think that the whole notion is that they're trying to make something that everyone can enjoy, whether you're into the yeah. books, you're into the comics, you're into games, whatever it is, something for everyone. Yeah. Do we want, I would be more than happy with a book or a comic book adaptation of the main storyline of the game. If it really is continuing this. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I, 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 I think that could work. You could see that type of thing. Um, you know, Mass Effect had novels inspired by the game. wasn't necessarily, for, I didn't read them, but I don't think they're direct, like, what the game was. But you no. could still do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, in the interview that Christy did with you uh, mm-hmm. on uh, Collider, didn't she kind of, like, hint, that, not hint, but, like, oh, I'm not ruling out that there could be a sequel yeah, yeah. to the book? You never know yeah. if it does really well. Could be. So the story could continue. Yeah. Twilight Company didn't didn't pick up uh, in this type of speed, I think because it wasn't it was promoting Battlefront, but it wasn't connected to it. So maybe this will those characters will have life. And Janina, I'm sure, would campaign oh, yeah. hard to make a TV show, make everything. Yeah, so, sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, did the book make you want to play the video game more? It did for me, absolutely. Yeah. The, even down to the little details of the droid, the, that little ID-10 droid, which is similar to what the Seventh Sister had in Rebels. I think that was an ID-9. It's an ID-10. A little spider droid that comes off the back there. Like, that was just a pure, like, oh, that droid's probably going to do something for you. Oh, Press oh, X and you open the door. Of course. Oh. That droid yeah. is your little assist. And yeah, yeah. yeah, and you get probably more control of it. If yeah. you choose. Can you choose to play as the different characters, or are you always Iden Versio? Do I, you that, know? I'm not sure. That, that I, can't, I can't say for sure. Yeah, yeah, interesting. But yeah, so yeah, did it, yes, it did, it did, and it, it just because I, I do like the character of Aiden and, and her skill set, and then again, it, it's not bad that you see that these each character brings something different to the team because that is what 
you know that that's how it works on these video games. I love uh, I love the Bad Company, Battle Battlefield Bad Company, which is a pretty entertaining military game. Of these these four guys that get lost on their own little mission, and each one has their own little thing. One's a sniper, one's this. That's how games work when they're in teams form. So yeah, I absolutely was like close the book was like cool i'll get to see these characters again uh in the video game and i like that yeah they this played me like a fiddle i want to play the video game so much more because i like playing video games with with the story yeah in where i feel like motivated so if i can get myself into the headset of Aiden, which this book helped me do right and realize like oh uh, this is the mission all my imperial friends are gonna die if i don't blow up the thing Right. Makes me so much more interested. Does that kind of stuff work for you, Jennifer? Oh, I'll buy anything that Janine is selling. I mean, I just, <laughs> I just think that she's so awesome and I want to support her in whatever way it is. Oh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going to, you know, download the audio book. I'm, of course, going to play the game. I'll support her TV show, whatever it is. <laughs> right, right, right. Lighten's hour, yeah. Yeah, let yeah. me see more of her. Uh, so another kind of general question, jumping off of this, mm-hmm. is the... Between this and Galaxy's Edge, the Battlefront 2 becoming a canon story in right. Galaxy's Edge being its own new canon, getting away from what you were describing, Jennifer, with the random sort of multiplayer of like, is General Leia in her hot outfit on Endor and she's fighting Lando because who cares? It's just right. Star Wars. Right. We're getting down to, they're starting to make everything canon. Do we like this? It. it- it ruffles my feathers sometimes, but at the same time, if they say, like, okay, Freemaker isn't canon, right? No. Mm-hmm. So I don't watch it. And that doesn't mean it's not an age thing. Like, I'm sure I'd enjoy it, you know? I don't watch it. So if, if for me to say, get a little grumpy that Galaxy's Edge is canon... It's just silly because I'm sure if it wasn't, I'd be like, "Well, why can't we just make this canon?" It's just me. As a, <laughs> that's just me as a being a frustrating fan. So I'm okay with it. Uh, it's I guess sometimes the level or degree. I don't know if we need to go to the old structure where canon had different levels. Mm-hmm. It would seem to be the purpose. The, the reason they got rid of all that was to avoid yeah. the confusion. Sometimes I feel we're getting back to that confusing point. Yeah. How do you feel about it, Jennifer? Yeah, I like the old canon where it was like G for George, yeah. or, you know, whatever <laughs> he says. And I, that's kind of how I believe. Like, if it's in the movies, that to mm. me is like the hierarchy. It's not yeah. the top, you know. And I know a lot of people have been upset about all the different things that are happening in the canon. I think we're just going to have to get over it. Yeah. It's just going to get even more, especially with Galaxy's Edge and beyond 2020. Oof. It's gonna be a yeah. lot. Yeah, it's just gonna get crowded and weird, and mm-hmm. that is fine up to a point. But I do like the idea of trying to make things unique because I think it makes it a little bit more right. immersive. Yeah, and it makes it less just we're replaying the hits. So if you go to Disneyland and oh, there's a guy dressed as Han, and you play yeah. a video game and you're Han again. I do like that. Like you you people want to remember who Lux Monteria is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, here are some rewards yeah. mm-hmm. for that level of investment, and here mm-hmm. are some uh, some places where you can feel more a part of this whole galaxy yeah. instead of just fans of a handful of characters. And that, yeah. that, to me, is the good part of it and the powerful part of it. It is, and I talked about on Spotlight Star Wars recently. I keep citing the example of Evan Verlaine, the, 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 the Y-Wing pilot. Like, yeah, I do want to be rewarded for that. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I think, how you do it's a problem. The Lux thing was, was a little disappointing because it was so big. And it was like as if, you know, 
you know, again, the can- guy from the cantina bar is the key <laughs> thing. Like, I don't know. But I do like, I do like what you're saying. Like, cause I'm accepting Inferno Squad now, these characters into the story. When the game was announced, I was excited, but I had that like, oh, they're on Endor 2 type of attitude. Yeah. Everyone was on Endor for the Battle of Endor. <laughs> but now I'm like, cool, that's a part of it. And I can believe, you know, during the course of the events of Empire and Jedi that they've got this elite group going around yeah. doing things. I can accept it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, so I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And I like this Kate, this bad alien character. You know, that there are some threads yeah. connecting in that way, mm-hmm. too. Like you've talked about, Ken. You know, we want to see some of the same aliens because right, right. alien species, because this is a galaxy. And so there would be a cave species. Yeah, know? yeah. So I, th- I like that part of the canon mm-hmm. connecting. Uh, what other Star Wars experience needs to tie a novel, Joseph? Uh, yeah, I think uh, uh, I, I want if there's any like if Burger King ever does glasses again, no. I want them to have, their, them to have their own canon. Can you imagine Burger King glasses canon? You will learn the story of this person whose glass you can buy for ninety nine cents mm. with a soda. That'd be awesome. I, I definitely want Galaxy's Edge to have much like a pl- a visual dictionary for the movies. Like I want some filled out officially. Maybe it's a oh. tiny one you get at the park. Yeah, when you get there or something like that. But I want Pablo to get put his hands on it, and uh, the whole team and story group to put some stories behind it. Yeah, then have it have it matter. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. then if that happens, if they truly make Galaxy's Edge just so ingrained in the canon in a fun mm-hmm. way. It, people are just going to be more mad about Star Tours, and then that'll be a fun challenge to see them <laughs> <laughs> see them try to address. I would agree with that. Yeah. I would be behind that. That's great. So overall, as we draw to our, our discussion of Close on Inferno Squad, I think this gets a, a very strong recommend from me. Uh, it is very interesting. There's a lot of different levels to it. Uh, don't go in expecting a bunch of firefights. Um, and it is, uh, again, I wouldn't call it a central reading, but if you're an avid Star Wars reader, you're not going to be disappointed overall if you go into it with the right attitude mm. absolutely you know yeah i 100 percent agree i feel like it did it's a challenging thing to do to write a prequel novel for an unreleased video game yep from the villain's perspective and they do a, a great job of making it really engaging and making it uh, pretty balanced in handling a lot of the big issues in star wars and making it personal to these characters yeah and christy golden who's ri- uh, written a lot of uh, old eu novels she had her she had some star yeah. wars experience before along with her other long career uh but this and dark disciple are both it's weird this is a video game tie-in and the dark disciple was based off the, the clone Wars scripts uh i'm looking forward to her getting just full reign full open highway to do yeah. her own star wars story um i mean she absolutely did but you know what i mean like original story and i think she'll get it yeah i think she'll absolutely. get it absolutely absolutely so from there, Joseph, we got time for some questions, as we like to do each week. Yeah, we got some great questions uh, from Facebook. Matthew Purdy asks, I would love to hear, Ken, Joseph, and Jennifer's ideas for a Star Wars Broadway play. Would you like to see a retelling of the prequels or a completely original story or perhaps a new story with the original trilogy characters? Thanks, as always, and keep up the great work. All right, who wants to jump on this thermal detonator of a question? I love this question. Yeah, you got question. an idea? Yeah, I do. Thank you, Matthew. Uh, I immediately thought of like something like the Muppet movie. So that, <laughs> that went me to put me to uh, Return of the Jedi, uh, of course, Jabba's Palace. Maybe, you know, all Max Rebo and the band, Size mm-hmm. Noodles, are trying to put on a show for Jabba, but some sort of, you know, chaos breaks out. There's some quibbling, you know, in the band. So they've got to put on a good show. Will they be? able to do it and if they don't will they be thrown in the rancor pit that is the musical <laughs> oh, that's great i like that 
I'm bored. Yeah. I'm on board. I'm in line to get tickets. Uh, you know, I have the Shakespeare adaptations of all the Star Wars movies. Uh, uh, I, I could see a Shakespeare retelling <laughs> that would work of of the fall of Anakin. Ooh. That would Ooh. that would work there. I wouldn't mind taking the story of a new, brand new courtship of Princess Leia type story of just an uh, intimate, not that intimate, but who knows? It's a, <laughs> it's a stage play. You can get weird, man. But just Han and Leia. Uh, you know, maybe the day of their wedding or something, some kind of like what you can do with a play. Just get into the characters and the dialogue between them. Right. I can see that. Nice, nice, nice. I, do, I just randomly thought of something called the musical of the Wills. I don't know what would that be, <laughs> oh, but yeah. since we have the, Love it. all the various things of the Wills. But inspired by Inferno Squad, what I really want to see, one of my favorite things about Inferno Squad is that every time that it had art in it, it was art that was corrupted by the Empire. Like yeah. this great painter making promotional material. And there was like a, a tree that had no function but was beautiful on the Versio's home planet. And her father just made it a symbol of the empire. Mm. And it was just this great, this great through line of taking everything beautiful and art and subjecting it to right. the empire. So I would love to see a play where like it, you knew going in it's supposed to be imperial propaganda. Yeah. But the actors keep trying to subvert it to get a rebellion message out. Ooh. Oh, that'd be interesting. Yeah. That'd be interesting. I like yeah. that. The subversion oh, of right the empire. Hmm. I'll get on it. Uh, <laughs> next up, Brian Rohrenbacher asks on Facebook, do Wookiees ever need to get haircuts or does their fur just stay at the perfect length? If they do require haircuts, do you think being a Wookiee groomer is a wise career choice? I mean, I think it's like dogs, right? Occasionally a dog needs a little trim. Yeah. Right. But they kind of have their predisposed length, I would think. Uh-huh. It depends. Maybe there's... You know, not different breeds of Wookiees is not the way I'm saying, not the right way to say it, but you know what I mean? Like, maybe there's, <laughs> like, much like Radis is from the northern parts of his oh, planet. Yeah. Like, maybe right. there's a different Wookiee uh, subsection that's got longer hair for a reason, or one's got shorter hair because he's more of a desert part of uh, Kashyyyk. I don't know. <laughs> the hippie Wookiees yeah. from the desert. Yeah. We'll go to burning Wookiees. Burning, burning Wookiees. <laughs> <laughs> This is a great question. I never thought about it, but I think you're right. It is yeah. similar to dogs where, like, you know, my dog, I don't ever have to trim his hair. His, his fur yeah. is just the way that it is. Right. But I do wonder how they groom themselves. Do they mm. use brushes? Do they lick themselves like cats? You know, <laughs> there's if the things if the fur gets mangled or hair yeah. gets mangled. What do they do about that? Yeah. These are the questions. These are the important questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think there's a lot of petting and picking. <laughs> petting and picking. Yeah, like what about fleas? Yeah. Well, like look what uh, Chewie does to Han when he gets thrown yeah. into the cell in Return of the Jedi. That's a very like, mm. he's grooming Han out You're of comfort. Right. He's yep. getting his hair back in the right place. You're right. 100% right. Yeah, so I think they groom. And then I think that there is some sort of sentient creature that nibbles at their hair when it gets too long. <laughs> oh. I think it's very cute. And we'll get, a, we'll get a novel about that character. <laughs> exactly. And plushes, for sure. That's <laughs> a great character. Or a great uh, question. We go on to our Patreon questions. Our patron, Martin Grinter, asks, if you discovered you were a powerful Force user, what's the first thing you'd do? Mm. 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 I would love to think I would do good with it, Joseph. I'd um, love just an immediate good. I would love to think that. <laughs> I think I would secretly choke people at the grocery store line. <laughs> I have to admit that I think I would. My first instinct would to go bad. Yeah, yeah. that disappoints I, I me as a human. Don't think you're alone in that. Yeah. Yeah. How about you, Jennifer? Would you just push a car out of your way? Yeah, it'd be a lot of force pushing. <laughs> a lot of uh, the grocery store. That's a great point because yeah. you know their line is there, and then somebody's about to come to, the, into. My lane. The person using a check. Oh, my you know? I had that happen. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah. Just get that checkbook out of the way. Yeah. You just throw the checkbook out of the way? It'd be bad. Yeah. It'd be bad. Would you look for something specifically good to do? Would you, would either of you say like, okay, I, I choked a grocery store person, <laughs> got that out of my system. How can I use this for good? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to be like Superman, you know, <laughs> if I come it across up, it. Yeah, it opens up a lot of can of worms. Yeah. Look what happened to Superman. You know, I'd like to think I would try, Joseph. I'd like to think I'd become a Batman, uh, a Batman Jedi going around the dark <laughs> ports of the city and, and taking people out, yeah. the bad people out. Yeah, Bat Jedi. I like mm-hmm. that a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would immediately levitate something toward myself. Mm. Right. I think I would probably get alcohol. Yeah, I'd move alcohol to myself without having to get up. I would be a lazy Jedi immediately. Oh, yeah, that's good. If not evil, I would for sure be lazy. It's great. Purpose. And then I think I'd wrestle with morality. I think that's the main thing I'd do okay. with it because exactly the Superman question of like, great, I can stop wrongdoing. Right. Um, where is uh, where in my neighborhood right now is somebody doing something so bad? I know I need to go push them over. <laughs> <Push> them <laughs> right. <laughs> like it, that's the that's the hardest thing about superhero yeah. stories is like finding the bad people. You mm-hmm. gotta get a cape and go out and do it. Yeah, just be wandering around looking for somebody who deserves to be force yeah. pushed. Uh, yep. Yeah. Real yeah. time commitment. <laughs> Great question, Martin. Our final question is from Christopher Triplett, who asks: Is it a refresher or is it a restroom or is it both? For the longest time, the restrooms of the Star Wars universe had been called refreshers but as i'm reading inferno squad they're just flat out called restrooms and it's bugging the hell out of me uh-huh. i think and, and not i'm christopher i'm not here to take away your anger i'm here to help it <laughs> i'm here to help it christopher i understand i think it's just a matter of that's such a fine detail it will slip through every now and then yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I think the first time I pinged on Refresher is when Wedge in, in Star Wars Rebels was going to yes. a Refresher. And I was like, awesome, that's so great. Yes. Uh, but yeah, in books, they're called the restrooms, they're called bathrooms. It's it's all over the map. I didn't even get to mention this about Inferno Squad. At one point, somebody, a couple of characters sit down and just straight up drink beer and whiskey. Yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, they yeah. refer to it as whiskey. No, no. no it's not yeah. like special Chadrafan whiskey. It's yeah. just beer and whiskey and like oh. that's so interesting to me in all of Star Wars mm-hmm. in all of these books that are coming out sometimes we go out of our way to go like it's always calf it's never coffee it's right. always calf right. a lot of other things are sometimes it's whiskey sometimes it's Alderanian wine or jet yeah. juice Sometimes it's a refresher. Sometimes it's a restroom. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's just what it is. Jennifer, do you need one to be, uh, do you need this labeled from now and forever? Yes. It needs to be a refresher. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that it's called a refresher. It just sounds so refreshing. It does. But I mean, these little details are what we love about yeah, Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. So, yeah, it is. I mean, but I understand there's so much to remember. You can't remember everything, right? Yeah. You might be the type of thing to where Christy Golden didn't know. And then sure. her copy editor and editor didn't know. And, you know, Pablo sits down and I hear he reads every one of these because he has to give notes. Cause, and I know for a fact he gave notes on this book. She was talking about it. So maybe he just or maybe he's like, whatever. Right. I can't decide. Refresher, yeah. restroom. Does it matter? Bathroom. Yeah. 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 Yeah, but Christopher, yeah, whatever it is, you're not the only one, I'm Mm -hmm. sure. No, we understand. Yeah, thank you, Christopher, for bringing me to a piece and accepting. 
that it's not just going to be a refresher or restroom or bathroom, <laughs> that it's going to be who knows what next time. Who knows what? Those are our questions for good ones, as always. And we got a lot of good ones in our last round of, uh, of asking for them, so more will be coming. Absolutely, guys. We had a lot of fun today breaking down the Inferno Squad, going into it. Uh, let us know what you think about Inferno Squad. Reach out to us on Twitter at Four Center Pod on Facebook. Write us in. Use the hashtag Four Center so we can find it. Uh, if you want to buy some merchandise, we're on T Public, tpublic.com slash user slash Four Center. But Joseph, on Patreon, we got a lot of cool things going. And for just $2 a month, you get a special show that we do every month called Finish the Fan Fiction. That's right. We, uh, we get a prompt from one of our patrons that begins a story and then the three of us spin a little fun improv story they're always uh, delightful and strange and go places that we could never imagine and as ken just said you get that for two dollars a month just go to patreon.com slash force center absolutely a lot going on there including our goals check them out we appreciate it ahead of time jennifer uh, i don't know if you're gonna have time to read this book maybe you'll get the audio book of inferno squad we'll check in and maybe you can break it down on your youtube channel that's right yeah no you guys have convinced me and you can Find me on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash Jennifer Landa and all the social media sites at Jennifer Landa. Absolutely. Joseph, you, uh, you've you got your anchor show going. you got a lot going on, too. And you're now working on a Star Wars play. That's right. I'm writing my <laughs> Star Wars play, Propaganda of the Empire. Uh, but before that, you can uh, come find me at DragonCon. I'll be there. i got some more shows coming up in Los Angeles. Information on that is on my website at josephscrimshaw.com, specifically the live shows page. Or you can follow me on all the social medias at josephscrimshaw, where I will advertise every Every little thing I'm doing. I love it. Follow me at Ken Napsack, including uh, over there on Anchor with Daily Thrones and all the other stuff I do will be on there as well. That's it, guys. I want to thank uh, you guys for listening on this book review. And thanks to Christy Golden for writing a pretty interesting and intriguing book. I hope you guys check it out and looking forward to the video game when it comes out this November. So for Aiden Versio, for Picao and the uh, rest of the dreamers, we'll see you next time. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 